This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Brad Hodge, former Victorian and Australian cricketer, playing six test matches for Australia with a highest score of 203 not out and playing 223 first-class matches, scoring more than 17,000 runs, an average of 48. He's a commentator and now turning his attention to coaching. He's also a great mate of mine. And Damien Fleming, former Victorian and Australian fast bowler, playing 20 tests for Australia, taking 75 wickets, including a hat-trick on debut, and played in 88 one-day internationals for Australia, taking 134 wickets, and he won the 1999 World Cup. He's now a commentator post-career, best known as the bowlologist on Fox Sports. He's also a good mate of mine. Let's get started. Boys, we'll get started on the show today. Brad Hodge, former Victorian Australian cricketer. He's now a commentator and turning his attention to coaching. He's also a good mate of mine. Welcome, Hodgey. Thanks, uh, Fug or Mango or Shane or whatever else you want to be called. Good to be here. And Damien Fleming, former Victorian Australian fast bowler. He's now a commentator post-career, best known as the bowlologist on Fox Sports. And also a good mate of mine. Welcome, Flem. Hey, thanks, Fuggy. Hodgey, oh, I'm, I'm impressed that you can pronounce bowlologist. That's the reason I come up with that title. But I love it. Now, listen, it, boys, it's Are You OK Day today. And I know you two are stuck down there in Melbourne lockdown. Are you both OK? We're OK. We're surviving in, in isolation. I know uh, there's no video capture to this, Fuggy, but yep. uh, I, I've had one haircut in six months right. and, and, and I'm not um, follically challenged. So I've got a, a massive <laughs> buffont, um, homeschooling, Nothing's prepared me for my previous 50 years to, to homeschool yes. uh, a sometimes defiant, lovely nine-year-old daughter. Good. Um, so that, that, that's been a very upskilling life experience. Uh, the older two kids, year 10, year 12, are doing okay, and, and my lovely wife, Wendy, uh, doing a great job. So sun's out today, Hodgie, isn't it, in Melbourne? So that helps, but... Um, no, I'm okay at my end. What about you, Bradley? Fine, Fuggy. I'm good. Um, as Hilltop Hood sing, I'm good, I'm good, I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> been listening to that a fair bit, actually, to get me through this phase. But you know, I, I, it is it is time to reach out and give a helping hand for those who are struggling. We, yeah. we ourselves are doing it okay. Um, kids are at home schooling, as you mentioned, Flem. We've had plenty of dialogue about that and the challenges that that faces. But... You know, we just want to see an end. It's pretty traumatic, actually, you know, yeah. being stuck in lockdown. So I imagine there's a lot of people struggling. Um, but the sun is out, so I'll be able to jump on my bike for, you know, an hour, go five kilometres one way and five kilometres the other <laughs> and uh, put a so smile on my face. Hodgie, how far are you going then? <laughs> is this one of those mathematical questions <laughs> you get in year five when it's, is. Is the train's going 100 kilometres an yeah. hour, you're going 80 what destination would you reach further? No. What if you're sitting on the train? What? Are you, how's that? What's the answer to the most radical question there? Hey, um, so Hodgie, we, we've known each other since the other nineteens. We we toured New Zealand, and I remember um, one of the first things that I found out about you when you first got picked for Victoria, that your idol was Dean Jones, and you had a you had a poster hanging on your wall in your bedroom of Dean Jones. I want to know, does Dean Jones have a poster of you now on his wall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. I mean, 
I mean, when you were a young kid growing up, who didn't want to be like the ledge? You know, yeah. I love the way that he he sort of you know modernised one day cricket and brought it to a new level. He did. So being a Victorian was pretty cool. That sort of changed a little bit, fuck, when he became a roommate for the first two years of right. Victorian life, where that love affair just sort of gradually wore off over time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'll be honest, the, the poster wasn't up there long. That, that sort of got transported off and Samantha Fox became, you know, the new poster girl in the, in the bedroom. Yeah, well. She had, she had a better cover drive, didn't she? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, no, we're still close, Dino. The legend, of course, he's, uh, you know, I looked up to him and wanted to aspire to be like him and, you know, what a player. I looked on Wikipedia, which is, you know, a great source of information. Isn't it? But, Isn't uh, it? but he call, what do you call your glove lick? Well, what was that about? I read that. Someone actually said that. That's absolute yeah. fabricated rubbish, that. I've never heard of that ever. No, me either. Um, got a number of nicknames. That's absolutely not one of them. Now, Flam, now you've done some fantastic stuff post-career. We'll talk about your career in a minute. But um, talk me through the biologist. What, what, what is that and what's that about? Uh, I've got no idea. I, I just I come up to it because I do a lot of corporate speaking. I, I just love seeing these dynamic CEOs and, and general managers of business give an inspiring speech to their troops and then they start to introduce me and, and the cricket career start, you know, no problems, they're nailing it. Yep. And then I can just see when they, they see the word biologist or biology and, and it's sheer fright, it's fear. I reckon only 20% <laughs> of the business leaders of our country can actually say it. Fantastic. But on a serious note, uh, when I retired. <laughs> so, so you say we're in good hands, Flem. <laughs> we're in good hands. Actually, I should ask Dan Andrews if he could say it. That could be a test of his. <laughs> I bet you can't. But you can't spell if it either. If you can't say this, Dan, yep. get us out of isolation right now. <laughs> right? But on a serious note, two years at the Cricket Academy pre-post-career fug, good experience. You know, I thought I was going to be a career coach. We had uh, Bennett King was the head coach and, you know, he had some fine qualities as a coach and as a boss in particular. But I was the only ex-player and uh, it was going through a very technical, physical stage and, you know, the philosophy uh, from a few of the coaches, non-playing ex-coaches, sorry, coaches there, was um, if you're not technically and physically perfect, you shouldn't be allowed to play. And my philosophy would probably be a bit like uh, you and Hodges is, no, you play because you love the game. 100%. Then you refine your technique and your and your mental side and your tactics. So I just come up with a little bit of a, a player assessment in, in all those sort of attributes. So, uh, you know, we had Dougie Bollinger and Ben Edmondson and Brendan Drew and these types. And I just – and obviously they're all different stages of their career, so I wanted to be able to – you know, coach, yes, physically, technically, but also in a mental, tactical skill analysis as well. So, you know, coaching Dougie Bollinger at that stage who, you know, had had pretty good technique but could go a bit wayward on the on the field. You know, it was more a mental, tactical thing with him, um, but with some bowlers up. And then in the end, it was a bit of marketing really. So who would you rather get coached? by a fast bowling coach. There's 2,000 of those around the world. Or do you want to get coached by the yeah. biologist? 
I agree, mate. It's funny you brought up Dougie Bollinger there. I used to say it was Bollinger by name, but Spumante by nature. <laughs> he was as rough as guts. You wouldn't want to drink him. Have you had him on, Fug, or not? Look, no, no. I, um, well, I'm going to bring out a children's series next year, so I'll get, I'll get, <laughs> I'll get, I'll get him on. <laughs> but um, listen, talk about the medal side of things, Hodgie. Mate, you racked up 223 first-class matches. You must be proud of the longevity of your, of your career. Well, it's probably twofold, isn't it, Fug? Probably says that I didn't play enough games for Australia or I wasn't good enough. Um, but, you know, that, you that, probably mate. can't force those issues. All you can do is put together a pretty good resume and if the selectors want to choose you to play or not, that's their choice. But, look, I had a long career with Victoria, which I'm pretty proud of. There's a long history there. And what I think of that, when you say that, it's a scary amount of days stuck in the field. That's what that sort of reminds me of. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> it is. But, you know, it's a, it's something that we, we got brought up in a, a really rich phase of cricketers and they were blessed with such talent. And, um, you know, I guess it was hard. It was really hard to, you know, try and be competitive against, you know, Simon Kadic, Jimmy Martin, Martin Love, Damien Martin. Um, hey, I just had <laughs> the wars. That was unbelievable talent. So, Wars. You know, I guess you had yeah. to put together a, a yeah. pretty good, yeah. um, you know, balance sheet, which says that the numbers stack up to, to play for your country. And, yeah, unfortunate enough, that, that worked in time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. You and, should be proud of that, mate. Managed to move on to 2020, which was, uh, you know, a little bit of fun at the end of the career. Yeah. And, and Flam, you, you obviously struggled when you when you started for in, in the Australian team. You got a hat-trick on debut. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about the four for in the first innings first? <laughs> Why not, mate? We've got all day in. No one's got footage of that <laughs> test match, Flem, anyway. No one can remember it. I think my uh, my contact over there, John, can, can help out if, if required. But, yeah, it might be a bit like the movie Wag the Dog. You know, was it just recorded in a studio? Yeah. I, I can't remember, but... Yeah, did man walk on the moon? I mean, just to get the baggy green, you know, was 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 massive because I was a bit like you, you boys. We all debuted around 18, didn't we, in state cricket and... You know, it took, uh, even though I was 23, I think, you know, five years to get there. But um, it, it was fantastic. And and really, Pakistan quite a strong team. But I just wanted to do well enough to get another test, let's be honest. And the fourth in the first innings did give me a lot of confidence that I could get wickets at this level. And then um, the bottom line is you want to sing the song, don't you, underneath the Southern Cross I stand. So when it was, uh, we sent them in for the outright and three days later, they're still bloody bowling. One is we just want to get off this bloody ground in rural Pindi. Yes. And two, we're not singing the song. So Tubby Taylor throws the ball and just says, have a bowl. Um, bowl a, a weak little half volley to yep. a guy called Amir Malik. He he hits it to Michael Bevan. I don't know what the biggest surprise was, Amir hitting a half volley in the air to square leg or Michael <laughs> Bevan actually taking the catch because – he had bad hands, didn't he? He had bad hands. Everyone said he was a good fielder because he was quick to the ball, but he had a big wind-up. Edward hands. he was. Didn't he? He had a big wind-up and he couldn't catch. <laughs> Stuart McGill had had the same theory as Bevo, to look good in the field, just use fast arms. And the commentators think you're running faster than you are. But McGill was the Terminator, wasn't he? Robocop. <laughs> he used to overbalance all the time because his head weighed too much. That's why. <laughs> As opposed to Bevo's, who had the smallest head I've ever seen. He did. He had a size three helmet. Well, do you remember, um, there's a guy who played for New South Wales called Grant Lambert. He had the biggest head but the smallest face. Yes. Mm. He's the only guy we reckon if he he could 
You could wear a burqa and still see his whole face. <laughs> <laughs> Made famous for actually running off the pitch facing Sean Tate. Oh, yes. That's one of my favourite YouTube highlights, that. <laughs> I reckon I was commentating that one. It was total disbelief. Not to say that Tatey didn't have his own low lights reel. I think he did something similar in the 05 <laughs> Ashes, didn't he? <laughs> something similar. We'll just take a break now. Dad's our sound producer here. Because we're talking to the boys in lockdown, I'm cooking lunch today, lunch with Lee. So, Dad, for lunch, I'm going to cook us a nice, um, got some nice sirloin wagyu. Yeah. Does that yeah, sound, it sounds pretty good. And I make the best Bernays sauce in town. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love a good Bernays. Chips and salad, and we've got some O'Brien beer. Yum. Let's get started. It's no secret I love a gym. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful gin journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. And Hodgie, I want to talk about your high score in Test Cricket, turning a three-night out versus the South Africans in Perth. Mate, that must have been a highlight of your career. Well, it was a huge highlight, fuck yeah, I- I mean, when, when you look back and think about it, you only played six test matches. I Six more than me, mate. Yeah, well, we can all be unlucky, can't we, I suppose. But <laughs> um, I think that, you know, when you can walk away and say that you did something sort of significant for your country is, is pretty cool. Um, you know, I would, and, you know, I made a pretty good 50 or 60 in my first innings as well. I think I would have been devastated if I had have gone there and made, you know, 5, 10, dark yeah. 12, and that would have been the end of it. So, you know, it's nice to be able to get some form of significance. Unfortunately, it sort of got deteriorated when Jay spat at number three and got a 200. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, but you've got to get there. It was, a, it was a, you know, a pretty big effort. I was, you know, I think I was 90 overnight and, you know, you're sleeping there trying to work out how you're going to get the next 10 runs. 
Um, and it was just a, just a nice day. It was a good feel and uh, managed to bat well and worked hard for it as well, which was even better. I want to ask you guys, and I want um, to see what your answers are here, but I always thought that to make it to the test team through the Victorian regime down there, they always produce really tough test cricketers. In a lot of ways, you found that at state level, the Victorians, it was, it was a pretty sort of dog-eat-dog sort of mentality. But the guys who made it through that and got to play test cricket, like the Warns, yourselves, Warney, were really, really, really tough cricketers. Was, was that the sort of feel in Victorian cricket back those days, that it, it was a real sort of only the strong survive? Well, I think Hodgie can probably talk best about this because his mentor early on was our coach, Les Stillman. So, Brad, would you yep. like to be able to <laughs> elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, well, he's a good. He was he was pretty positive. He was a good coach. Um, and I, I'll tell you a good story. Actually, one of the best was when I went up to New South Wales, and it was facing Victoria full strength versus New South Wales full strength. So, one of the best uh, games to play on the calendar. And you know, I run the plane all the way up there, and unfortunately, I, I got the B seat again. And um, you know, who was next to me is the coach Les Stillman, and, and he sort of tapped me on the shoulder. He said, and I didn't want to talk to him at all. I'll be honest. And he said, oh, Hoddy with his list, uh, look, not sure where we're going to bat you this game. Um, you know, if we put you too high up, Holdsworth and uh, McGraw will get you. And if we put you down low, you know, you're going to be subjective to uh, Greg Matthews' spin. So he goes, <laughs> oh, look, just bat at number four. And I, I can't see you getting any, but if you manage to get us 20 or 30, that's probably 20 or 30 more than I reckon you'll get. So I said, okay, thanks, coach. Thanks for the advice. And I'll go out there and see if I can do the best I can. And went out there and, of course, uh, Blues were on a high after they just dismissed Dino and chased him back to the dressing room as they do. Uh, I walked out. Played a beautiful forward defence to Glenn McGrath, first ball. And I still have no idea how it made its way to second slip and Mark Wall snaffled it. Um, and when you think about it, I've actually missed, because it hit the shoulder of the bat. I've missed the ball by... A foot and a half. Um, and I still thought it was the perfect defense. Anyway, I walk off with a duck. Second inning comes around. The Blues pile on the runs and have 130 lead. Greg Matthews gets Dino out and he chases him back to the dressing room as usual, um, telling the ledge how good he is. And then he follows me all the way to the pitch, go out, play a couple of deliveries, and then about the fourth delivery, play one bat pad squeezed out to Mark Moore on the offside and get a duck. So there I am, the first ever pair in, in first class cricket. Walked back into the dressing rooms and it was absolute dead quiet. And I actually didn't know how to react anyway. When I was up in the toilets, you know, the SCG rooms, where you go yep. up and if you're a pretty shit player, you used to be up the back. So that's where I was, <laughs> up in the toilet area. And Liz comes and sit next to me and he just taps me on the shoulder and he, he looked at me and I was expecting something different. He just goes, oh, gee, I told you so, didn't I? We did have the best leaders and mentors back in the day But just to finish off your question, dog eat dog I think one of the greatest things that New South Wales are really, really good at Is promoting someone within their ranks You you can have someone from St George's playing in the third 11 And they could could be playing test cricket next year (laughs) Victoria never actually, I feel, promote from within. For some reason, it just seems to be you have to do it yourself. Mm. And you're on a constant mode of, uh, I guess, survival. 
survival, yeah. self-promotion, yeah. and then it becomes, you know, then you become sort of uh, selfish, I guess people say that. But, you know, we just never had a consistent drive or a consistent message, and, it, and nothing's changed, Fug, unfortunately. And the, the way I can see it, it only comes from the top. I, I don't think it's the playing group, um, but it always has been a fight for survival. And then maybe that's a problem when we do actually reach the test level, that do we fit into the community well? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, because somehow we, as a top five, a top six batters, our bowlers are fine. Mm. But we don't manage to survive for a long period of time. So yeah. okay. issues are there, mate. But it's, it has been prevalent all the way through from my knowledge. You know, I think it gets down to, to, to leadership. You know, we, we certainly, you know, look back and, and never had that, that fatherly um, mentor figure as, as captain or coach. And that's reflected that, uh, you know, Victoria, you know, hasn't produced a, an Australian coach or captain, um, which filters down as well. There's there's no doubt, um, you know, you had the Tubby Talers and Steve Wars, you know, Alan Border, Ricky Ponting. I mean, if you're playing a bit of shield cricket with a player, uh, you, you tend to see the best of them as well. So when it gets down to... Um, selection, well, it's only human nature to go with um, the person that you, you know will perform better. Um, but as an individual, as you said, it, it was it was quite um, typical um, Mark War at times. He used to say we were the Pakistan of, of Australian <laughs> cricket. Um, and at times we probably were, but I, I think it did toughen you up within the system. And in some ways I found the Australian environment um you know, pretty easy, pretty yeah. comfortable. Um, and I remember my first game, you know, it was a hot day, warm up in Sydney. And after, you know, we used to bowl for ages, 45 minutes getting a drink. And I, and I took a sip of a drink and I was waiting for someone to pop me, you know, to, you know, which would, would happen in Victoria. You know, yeah. what are you doing? Get back and bowl. <laughs> had, a, had a second drink and went back and just bowled. And I went, Wow, this this is a little bit different. Wow. And hydration. And I think if you look at the bowlers <laughs> in particular from Victoria, you know, probably from Merv um, onwards, you know, all of our records are, are really, really probably better for Australia than they are for Victoria. Speaking of hydration, Merv was pretty good at it, wasn't he? Both on and off the field. He would have been good fun to play with, boys. Well, he was my first roommate. I know we roomed together and we used to have oh, a bit geez. of a crack fug, but, um, you know, when Merv, yeah, we did. I roomed with him straight out of school at 18 and, and nothing prepares you in your previous 18 years to room with Merv. I've never <laughs> seen, you know, a man, you know, with that much hair on his body, his ability to consume alcohol and then still bowl 30 overs the next day. Um, room service, you know, um, you know, to a different level. And then he had this natural alarm clock that was prepared half an hour before we had to leave the ground. I won't say what it was, but it was loud and you could smell it in China. <laughs> that was the big man. But no one had a big... When I talk about fatherly leaders, I mean, he, he was um, with his actions on the field and as a roommate. I mean, he, he was probably someone that uh, him and Tony Dodder made attitudinal-wise. Um, they, were, they were really important, but, you know, they... they for different reasons, they didn't hold um, real leadership roles to, as captain in, in the team. 
Yeah, I remember him walking out of the shower once and with a towel around him, which looked like a face washer. <laughs> it, was that, it was that small. And he was that hairy. It's like, one of the boys said, if you don't put a collar on, you won't get into the nightclub. It's like, <laughs> like he had a jumper on. remember his line, Fug, <laughs> yeah. when, he, when he put the towel around and he'd yell at the roomie going, hey, these towels have shrunk again. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what about playing with Warney, boys? Hodgie, how, how'd you go playing with Warney? Well, I mean, what a special individual, hey? Uh, yeah. I you just somehow, as you guys have played with him, yeah, you just gravitate towards the king. I mean, uh, you know, he's a special talent, of course, but he's got a an aura about him as well. And um, he did. You know, you don't actually know sometimes whether to approach him in the dressing room or go and have a chat. Um, you know, you sort of tiptoe around the king a little bit. But pretty special in the dressing room. He sort of commands a big area in that space, yeah. and you sort of need to be invited in. Actually, you know, it's it's pretty funny. But I mean, what a player! Just turns a game on at any time. You just throw the ball to him, and and it's game on. Such a competitive beast, uh, and so skillful yeah. as well. Amazing, skillful off the field as well. He's, def- he's definitely the most talented cricketer I play with. How did you go with him, Flem? Well, the thing is, we had a a youth tour to the West Indies and it was guys like Michael Bevan and Damian Martin and Jamie Cox and Brendan Julian, these types who, who played a lot. It's a Fruit Loop 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think McGill had just missed out. Um, but all of a sudden Warney turns up, you know, he'd finished his footy career. None of us had played underage with him. You know, and I think he had spiked blue hair at this stage. He was, you know, overweight you know, talked it up like a star, but his game wasn't quite yep. there. But even as a young bloke, you know, he spun his leg spinner. He was already working on the flipper. That when when it all hit him two years later, when it all come together, I, I thought he handled the fame unbelievably well compared to, to the rest of us. But in some ways, his personality wanted it and, and he finally got it. And, and for the first few years, certainly, it, it was just a wave, wasn't it? And just talking yeah. about his skills there, Hodgie. I remember he come home from the West India, uh, sorry, the England tour '93, and we played New South Wales full strength. I think it's the one where um, we were going to win. McGrath walked out to bat, and um, Daryl Hare, the umpire, took us off for bad light. Like we were one wicket away. So, yes. yep. But in this game, it was like. Um, it was like Dennis Silly Merv Hughes with his verbals, but he was a leg spinner. And Mark Waugh yes. made a great hundred. I fielded mid-off the whole time virtually and not one ball come to me. Such was Warney's um, spin, um, skill, change of pace. Um, but on the field, um, you know, th- there was just no better um, competitor. A- and, and you're back in the incredible skills. You know, he's just an amazing player. So we had some good times. We, we, we played in two World Cups together, you and I, and... Um, the 96 World Cup in India, I think we're there for about four months. <laughs> and I remember you and I trying to amuse ourselves in between the training sessions. But I remember one time we were trying to get the AFL um, on the TV and you're a big Hawthorne supporter. And we went looking in the back lots of Mumbai for a, um, for a Hawthorne jersey, but we couldn't find one. <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say I went through um, a little bit of an interviewing, probably setting myself up for the media career later on. Yes. Um, 
where it was asking for Hawthorne um, <laughs> football jerseys in Sports Girl and um, places like that. But um, I, I think on those subcontinent tours, boys, you know, you've, you've got to come up and have a bit of fun, haven't you? You do. Um, in the 94 Pakistan, I remember I watched Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, for the first time, and I, I just wanted to be him. I, I wanted to be the bowling detective for Australian <laughs> cricket, and I took the VHS to Pakistan too scared to throw it up thinking that the boys would have heaps of movies and no one else brought a movie. So we watched that about 120 times <laughs> and I, I morphed into him. Ian Healy still calls me Ace. Um, so <laughs> we used to have those movie nights, didn't we? Um, I remember yes. in 96, it was Dumb Dumber. I reckon we watched that just about every night, didn't we? I thought we? Glenn but- McGraw was in that. Yeah. <laughs> you look like Lloyd Christmas. But I, one thing I remember about that 96 World Cup was when we won the semi and I, I bowled the last over and um, there's no bigger cricketing battle around 96 that fans look forward to that was Fleming with the ball and Courtney Walsh with the bat. They thought that was quite an even <laughs> um, contest. Bowled him out, Hodgie, and then I just felt like I had to run to heels. Like we're into the World Cup final and, and teammates are jumping and I'm missing him. And I, I hugged heels first. I hugged Tubby Taylor second. And then I hugged Fuggy Lee third. And the thing is, Fuggy wasn't even playing, but he was the third bloke, <laughs> third bloke into the huddle. Geez, you had good speed, fuck. I did, mate. Well, that's the whole thing. Even though I was twelfth man that game, it's all about you know you feel you got to be part of the team. And, I, <laughs> and yes, I was only third, third of the huddle, but I was in there. First one on the balcony too in '99 to you know. Hundred percent, mate. Hundred. That was a good night. If you're enjoying this, check out a recent show with Mark Taylor and Nick Far Jones for more cricket stories and rugby, of course. Hey, um. Now, Hodgie, I, I read in the paper you could be – are you going to be potentially coaching Victoria? Is that still happening? Are you in the run for that? What, what? Well, it was potential, then got shut down, Fuggy. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, what, what other questions have I got here? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. We, look, it was a good process. Went yep. through the process and um, unfortunately, yeah, I wasn't the right candidate for the job. So, wow. I don't see why. Keep playing. Is, 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 is coaching something you'll you look forward to do in, in the future, do you think? Because uh, well, I think you'd be a fantastic coach. Yeah, I, look, unfortunately, I, it's just—it's a fraction of a hammer blow, actually. I must say. Yeah. So um, I don't think so. I, I reckon it'll be pretty selective from here on in. Okay, mate. Now, um, now turning to the AFL, we mentioned it before. Flem, who's going to win the AFL this year? I know you boys are starved of it down there, but you'll be watching it with uh, passion on the TV. What's your, who's who's your tip for the, to win the premiership this year? Yeah. No interest. Hawks <laughs> yeah, are going to finish second or third bottom. So yeah. I, I'm just looking through, uh, waiting for the draft in November. Okay, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you reckon, IG? <laughs> mate, I'm a demon supporter, so we just got knocked out of the finals potentially as well during the week. But, yeah, I, I think it'd be a cool story for actually Brisbane to take the title this year. If they're, yeah. they're going to play, you know, AFL at the Gabba, um, it's a pretty cool story. So, yeah, it'd be nice to you know to be able to celebrate a, a Brisbane win up there in front of the home crowd. It'd be pretty cool. And Fleming, it's it's in Brisbane every year that um, you get together with the the ex fast bowlers. What do you call yourselves? A fast bowling cartel? Yeah, the fast bowling cartel. Uh, President Glenn McGrath and Secretary Michael Kasswich, um 
we, we always have a meeting up in Brizzy during the first test and we try and have two or three throughout the summer. Obviously, your brother uh, Binger's uh, front and centre there. Um, Jason Gillespie's the, the, the treasurer and um, Andy Pickle. <laughs> and, you want to get that audited. And we have a guest. So we had um, big Carl Rackerman uh, last summer. It, it was fantastic. You could see Mocha had so much enjoyment out of it and he's such a good storyteller, yeah, a, Carl Rackerman. Um, didn't bowl a lot of half volleys, uh, Fuggy or Hodgie, <laughs> but um, just a lovely man. But that the fast bowling cartel, you know, we're continuing to take over the world. You know, we've had CEOs in cricket like James Sutherland, Tony Dottermade and David Gilbert and co., um, so um, just watch out. We know that fast bowlers are the thinking man's cricketer. So um, let, let's hope eventually we, we get a chairman at Cricket Australia, potentially someone like Mervyn Hughes, if he's not going to run for prime minister. What about Paul Rifle? So Paul Rifle, for a guy, I love pistol, but for a guy who didn't really enjoy playing cricket himself, he's now an umpire. How, how does that happen? We don't have to speak, do you? So that's, that's the point. <laughs> You can just step or make a decision. Yeah, you just call over and walk the square leg. It's perfect for pistol. It's a perfect role. <laughs> Hodgie, if you had to pick one teammate who was least likely to be an umpire, it, it would have been pistol, wouldn't it? For sure. It was never. I, I, I was stunned actually when I, when I saw him go down that path. This is a guy which actually promoted hating the game. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you think, how can you possibly want to stand out there for another four or five days? adjudicating a cricket match if you hate it. Anyway, he's proved this wrong, Pistol. He's done well. He's had a good, good career. It's interesting, boys. You know, we all know what a great cricketer he was and, and a yeah. really good competitor. You know, he, he, he flew through with, with Rod Tucker. Good initiative too. I think mm. uh, my former roommate and, Australia, and Victorian number three and, and Melbourne Reserves player Jeff Allardyce come up with that at Cricket Australia and... Um, you know, England traditionally used to use former players in that role, and yeah, and, and I, I reckon it's a great initiative that we want to keep going with. I agree. It's, Pistol just looks that tired out there. He just doesn't want to lift up his <laughs> lift up his arm. It's just so exhausting to give give a give a dismissal. Now, now you boys have got um, Flem, you got your own podcast, the Biology Report. Talk us through that. Yeah, yeah the Biology Report. Um, I, I got a uh, a former teammate who's a bit of a recluse to, to help me with it, a, a man called Bradley Hodge, <laughs> who you would have played with, Shane, yeah. and, um, you know, a really good media talent, good humour. Um, but um, we did it for a couple of years, and, and I've sort of lost contact with him. So if you do <laughs> hear of him, please um, pass on my number. Yeah. Well. Um, but uh, at the moment, the last... Peter Hanscom, uh, the Victorian captain, was looking to get a bit more experience media-wise, so we've been punching him out. Uh, and just did one with Andy Lee, the comedian. Um, oh, good one. Got onto a bit of a, a um, story in there where we're get, getting comedians to pick their favourite 11s. So um, Lemo picked his beer 11 and, and um, his most hated 11 last episode, <laughs> and Andy's gone with... Uh, the bald eleven, bald eleven, his favourite bald eleven, which us three aren't in. Does Greg Matthews get in that? No, no, he had stipulations. He didn't like anyone that tried to fake it. Right. So, no Vaughan or Warren, no, or, or um, Gooch. <laughs> Ponte, what, now, what if you had a skunk on top of your head? Does that count as well? No he, no, he didn't want that, Andy. So oh, okay. all of them are gone. Uh, oh. 
Well, you boys are always good fun to chat to. I um, I look forward to our next lunch in person, probably about 2024 yes. when you guys come out of <laughs> straight out of lockdown, like straight out of Compton. But um, but I uh, really do appreciate your time. Um, it is Are You OK Day today. So uh, if you're listening in, you've got a mate out there. Pick up the phone, say hello, see if they're all right. Um, you know, often a little thing go a long way. But uh, but Flamo and, and Hodgie, I really appreciate your time, guys. Thanks, well done, for the chat. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Damien Flaming and Brad Hodge. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, The Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out on our social media. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be checking some more complete legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. Do, do.